Alright my friends, well welcome back to Trekology and thank you for joining us yet again because here we are. As always, my name is Jeff and as always, his name is Greg. Hey Greg. That's me. Do you enjoy when a podcast starts off the exact same way every single time? You know I haven't put a lot of thought into it. Mm. It, it does feel like a lot of podcasts have kind of their, at least their, what's the word, modus operandi or whatever, where it's yeah. like, this is the normal way that they start. And, and I, to, to, in some sense, I feel like it's the old Albert Einstein, you know, wearing the exact same thing every day so we didn't have to think about it anymore. Uh, that same mm -hmm. sort of a thing. If you start off the podcast the same way, you don't have to be like, well, what should we say this time? And, uh, well, like when we were doing my first podcast, uh, sequel quest, uh, my buddy Adam, he spent hours coming up with this whole big, like monologue and, and then he'd come up with some like straight out of Neptune's rings. Here's Jet or something like that. He'd come up with a, like a unique intro for each one of us. I don't know that I want to spend that much brain power personally on that and i've tried talking about the co-captains and that you know is i've done that a couple times but and with me yeah, always seems, is greg it seems like a lot of work for a little bit of return right right i so, mean uh, minus the thing that they always say that what is it that within the first 30 seconds you decide whether you're going to listen or not which I guess if you're tuning in for a podcast, you've already committed, right? Do people just like click on it and they're like, mm, no, I'm done. I mean, maybe. I don't know. That's how YouTube certainly I, works. But I yeah. feel like at least for me. I don't know me, that I ever do that with podcasts. Right. If I'm downloading a podcast, I have committed you like 35 megabytes of my space, man. I'm going to make use <laughs> of that time. And once I click on it, yeah, you're. I'm going to stick into it for the, for the long haul. Um, even if it is going to be at 1.8 speed or something like that, which I have had to speed up now that I've, I'm listening to more podcasts. I'm going back to listening <laughs> to my old ones. Any uh, Star Trek news or updates or experiences or thoughts over these past several weeks? <laughs> well, as you may know, uh, Netflix bought Prodigy from Paramount yes, after yes. that whole debacle. Right. In preparation for the, the new season coming out, I thought it was going to be March, but I, I looked into it and apparently it's an undefined date oh, in 2024. Okay. So it'll probably be December 31st. Yeah. It really is a good kids show. Okay. You know, I guess I'm still a little upset that Paramount <laughs> decided to discontinue it. Right. So I, I don't know. I, I, I'm completely at a loss what that decision was about right i i just i don't understand it at all i'm guessing it didn't have terribly high streaming numbers i don't think kids shows do right i don't feel like they have a grand plan on either a like this whole thing having any sort of rhyme or reason to fit together or yeah. b like hey let's reach out to these like franch like disenfranchised fans or or let's try and get some new fans with this right like at least for all of the jj abrams hate uh that i think has been spewed maybe mostly in my direction uh at the very least there was a thought about people don't like star trek because there's not enough pew 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 let's add some pew 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 like at the very least, that's a thought, you know? Right. Whereas Discovery versus Picard versus Strange New World, like, what are you doing here, people? Like, there's no... Yeah. It is unfocused. Right. The Section 31 movie that people have been talking about, which I'm kind of like, that's really what people want right now? Section 31? I mean, at least with Star Wars... There's some, like the John Favreau, the Mandoverse, the let's establish a non-Luke and Leia thing where people actually care about the non-Luke, Leia, and Han characters. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, th th there's some thought here. And that all of them, you know, uh, what, Boba Fett, and except for Andor. Andor wasn't really connected to the Mandoverse at all. Same thing with, uh, what, Obi-Wan Kenobi and, and stuff like that. But then, and then uh, I guess Ahsoka, uh, was Ahsoka connected to the Mandoverse? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's in that same, like, timeline and, and stuff like that. 
but everyone loved Andor for one reason or another, and so you know they'll do more Andor, I'm sure. Maybe they'll do an Andor verse, so you've got two verses going on, but it's still not connected to the. But Luke they're Leia still one, connected. So. Well, I mean they're connected, but they're not. You know, they're still in the same like timeline exactly. and everything. Right. They didn't do the whole uh, Kelvin. Okay. So so yeah. The, so what Star Trek needs is somebody in charge. I think. Right. Right. Because they always it, it had needs, like obviously. a series runner. Yes. You yes. Know, exactly. For, they needed uh, Kathleen Kennedy, like a for franchise for, runner. Yes. yes. Like she does for exactly. Star Wars. I don't know. I don't know if that was what Brian Fuller was supposed to be doing with Star Trek. Because he was kind of involved in all of it until he got fired. So, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I know for me, so, um, I've seen a number of lists for uh, that have caught my eye. Uh, which does... I don't know if I've grumbled enough about clickbait on here. Hopefully I have. But uh, or there, you can never click grumble too much. Uh, but I feel like the the whole thing with fake news, uh, whatever you know, I guess we're calling fake news these days. I do feel like clickbait is in a large way responsible. Is that you put a flashy title that may or may not actually have to do with the content of your actual article, <laughs> and I think because people don't actually read articles, they just see the title and they're like, "Oh my gosh, well I guess this happened." Because I clicked on one that yeah. was well, I think we talked about what was it? There was something about. Uh, hidden footage from uh, uh, Star Trek Phase 2, which I'm like, ooh, and it turned out it was just them testing out, like, outfits. And so it, it wasn't actually a scene or anything <laughs> like that. So that was disappointing. But this one was something about the, like, tension and whatever between uh, the gal that played Dr. Jillian, uh, what was her name? Jillian Taylor from Star Trek 4 and William Shatner. And then you click on the actual article, and it was that she said in an interview that Shatner always wanted to be on screen. And it's just like, which, like, okay, I totally believe that about William Shatner, and okay, that's kind of an arrogant thing to do. But it wasn't like, I couldn't stand working with this guy because he was such a jerk, which is how they right. framed the article. It was just, yeah, he, he always wanted to be on screen, man. That was kind of crazy. Like, very, very... De- and she said even what a, a delight he was to work for and stuff like that. So Or work with. So, very different than, you know, the click one. But there was yep. one that I thought was interesting as a callback to one of our former episodes. They did actually do a bottom ten worst Star Trek relationships. Some of them that we talked about were not, you know... You can barely call them relationships because they weren't really uh, around. But I did feel like some of them were one some of them we missed and i was like like i thought what was it michael and what's the guy who may be a klingon but he may not sort of a thing right and then i guess it just went away did he die i'm assuming after i mean no he went off with the klingons oh okay even though the klingon was outside of him or did the klingon stay inside him he, he embraced the whole klingon thing oh well all right off he went so that that and i I, I guess that sounds like that's not a great relationship um no but then they did list tom and balana which we listed as one of the best relationships so i don't know about that uh they listed uh uh troy and Worf, which i'll agree like i don't know what they were thinking i don't know that was weird worst but it was just confusing um, yeah, they did put number one as Kess and Neelix, which we got that one. That was definitely uh, a wackadoo one. Um, yes, they. What was the other? One? Oh, they did put Bashir and uh, uh, Ezri Dax, which I agree. Okay, that was definitely awkward and forced. Um, but they did not list the one which I still thought was a pretty darn good meme because I do get a, a click on it was like the thirty best star trek memes of the week and most of them are pretty like this is not even a meme you just put a couple of things together or it's a joke that's just not funny but there was the one that what was it it was uh it was uh one i think it was from scrooged it was the jacob marley or whatever his name is in scrooged that was saying you will be visited by three ghosts and then it was one of beverly crusher going oh really and that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good one because yes. uh, Crusher and the Ghost, Ronan or whatever his name was, definitely deserves creepiest oh, so worst weird. relationship. 
Uh, let's talk about what we're talking about today because we are diving into the character of the Doctor from Voyager and we'll be diving into the episode Living Witness, uh, which I did think Witness. was a pretty good episode. Having watched it, I had definitely never seen it before. I don't think it was as revelatory about the Doctor and his character, though we can talk about some of the, the, the things, uh, but it was definitely as as... Yeah, you know, doctor centric as much as uh, uh, any character centric it could be. Robert Picardo, he he did some some great acting here. Yeah, yeah, I thought this. uh, Yeah, this was a good one for him. Like again, it was a good episode. Good emoji. um, uh, yeah, 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 and and I, I, it demonstrated, I think, the point that the the Doctor had uh, you know evolved to at uh, at this point in the in the series. So the Doctor is probably my favorite character from Voyager. I think I feel like he, uh, I mean, he was the comic relief a lot of times. Robert Picardo's deadpan delivery was was really really good. I feel like Neelix was supposed to be the comic relief, and maybe at some point they realized that it wasn't quite working. So then they made the Doctor the comic relief, and he, even though he's a different, he's deadpan as opposed to like a clown. Yeah. How about you? Picardo is so good at that deadpan delivery. Yes. That I think he just completely overshadowed Neelix, uh, you know, with his more clownish, you know, mm. behavior. Yeah. And I, I think as as the series went on, the tone fit better with Picardo's deadpan delivery rather right. than. The silly humor that Neelix brought. Well, and I feel like, and and maybe that was something they tried different, because I feel like Star Trek hasn't really had silly. I mean, maybe you could accuse, uh, but I mean, there's not really characters, even in the original series, that are silly characters. They have, maybe they have, yeah, they have silly times, but to have a silly character, I I don't know, I was thinking about, because it was just the uh, 31st, I think, which is a weird anniversary, but it's Groundhog Day, so you always got to celebrate the movie Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day, and virtually every time, you've seen Groundhog Day, I assume, right? Yes. Okay. So virtually every time they talk to, oh, what's his name? Steven Tobolowski that plays Needle Ned, Ned Needle Ned, Needle yes, yes. Head Ned uh, Ryerson, uh, he always will talk about how um, Harold Ramis, who was the director, told him that in Jewish comedy, there's always a schlemiel and a schlemazel. Mm-hmm. And a schlemiel is the guy that spills the soup, and a schlemazel is the guy he spills the soup on. And he said, so Ned, or not Ned, uh, Stephen, be as crazy as you want because you're the schlemiel. You spill the soup on Bill Murray. He's the schlemazel. He's the one. So he just has to react to your craziness. And I think that's part of the problem is that even if you had Neelix, who, you know, Ethan Phillips is kind of going over the top here uh, with his character, but he doesn't have anybody. It's just like he's bouncing off of wood, uh, like walls. Is that, you know, right. Janeway isn't giving him the, like, oh, Neelix. Like, there's not, I mean, think about, like, if you put, um, what's his name from the Pink Panther? Um, Inspector mm-hmm. Clouseau on yep. the Voyager. You gotta have people that are getting frustrated by the, like, oh, Clouseau, you did it again. And, I mean, that's what worked <laughs> about Pink Panther is that you had that guy. But you don't have that with Neelix. And so maybe that's part of the reason that, yeah, it just falls flat. Whereas, you know, like with The Office, you had all of these people. Michael was the one that was going over the top and doing all this. And people were always rolling their eyes. And they'd be like, oh, my goodness. But then you also had the deadpan of, you know, Jim and and all of that. Uh, Which, again, I think you're right. That's what worked about the doctor's deadpan is that so then he can make like a wry observation about like, oh, sending me another one or or something like that. And Janeway can kind of just be like, doctor, take this seriously or whatever. And it it works. It works much better with the vibe than, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, whatever Neelix was going for. Right. Um, I did like, and I thought it was interesting the way over the series arc just kind of like, and we've talked about this in previous episodes that the, the, I, I guess I'd never realized that Star Trek has such a theme of our artificial intelligence, like is artificial intelligence like sentient? Is it human or, or I mean, human's the wrong word. Is it, uh, like sentient, like valuable, uh, yeah. or, or like, viable for 
for legal protection and all that. Right. Is it a, a, a being, an entity? Is it self-aware? Is it something like that? And so it does feel like a lot of the questions they asked with the doctor were the same sort of questions that they had asked with um, Data. But they, they, and they did explore them in some interesting ways. Like I thought in this one particular episode, it was kind of interesting that they just kind of throw it away. That there's the one line where they say like, hey, at this point, Artificial intelligence is considered uh, its own being, so you're just as culpable as anybody else. And like, oh, okay, I guess we're not going to debate that anymore. Like, that's just been settled already. So I thought that was an yeah. interesting way of kind of shoving that to the side in some ways. But they do kind of continually wrestle with it. And that is one thing, like, we can, we can chew on a little bit that I think is really interesting about the Doctor is his self-awareness is not connected to his individuality or his uniqueness. Because the crazy thing is, he is not unique. Is that they, I think the idea is, there's an emergency hologram on virtually every ship now. And so that he, and it's it's literally the exact same thing as this. And so he is, he is you know, not unique. And, and even in this episode, we find that, you know, it's the uh, backup to the Doctor. So the Doctor hologram that we know, he's still on Voyager. I mean, or he was 700 years prior, uh, off doing his thing. And this is another iteration of the same thing. So in some ways, yeah. it's a separate entity, but it's the same. It shares. The, it's like you could almost call it a clone in some ways. We're getting into like Thomas Riker ideas and stuff like that too. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's interesting when you because he has the the memories of what happened during this time, right? But he isn't the there. There's another one of him, you know, that went on with Voyager after this episode, right? Right, right. or after the scenes of the you know in the past of the episode, right? But it's still him. So, but it's, it's still him. A, yeah, it's like a. I mean, that's yeah, again the whole backup thing is an interesting way of s- separating that out. Right. So the moment he's activated 700 years in the future, he becomes a different entity in some ways. Right. And so which one is culpable or are all of them, every single copy of him made after that point, culpable for the war crimes that they want to charge him with in the beginning? Mm. Well, and that's interesting because then that gets into what they dealt a little bit with on Deep Space Nine where there was the one where Dax was being accused of a murder. And so they said that even though it wasn't Jadzia Dax that was being accused, it was Curzon Dax. The fact that the symbiont was the same symbiont, it was that question of like, is is then Jadzia Dax culpable for what Curzon Dax did? Because it's mm. in some ways not quite the same entity, but kind of. Like it's it's a similar sort of thing. So the idea with this would be... You know, so uh, almost like going back to like Thomas Riker. So if uh, William Riker had committed a crime before the transporter accident split them in half, then technically the same entity committed the crime that has now been split in two. Now, would William Riker be culpable for what Thomas Riker did after the split? No. So when Thomas Riker joins the Maquis and steals the Defiant and do all that sort of, that's on him. Like, he takes that blame. But if he was split after that, then you would have to say both of them, like, were the same entity before that. I don't know. That gets really, pretty weird. But I guess it makes sense that where whatever your entity, like, your, your or person or whatever uh, does, then regardless of splitting afterwards you you don't you know you're not it's not like uh i don't know splitting off it's like oh that's the guilty one you go take him like i'm off i'm off scot-free it's like no yeah that's that's weird but i guess that makes sense that you weren't split prior to the uh, (laughs) bad stuff happening it's very complicated it is it is and then again they don't really wrestle with it in this episode no it's a one-off line yes it's interesting about the doctor's character that his duplicatableness or whatever, again, the fact that he is not unique, I don't think affects him and his personality and his self-awareness, but I have a hunch it affects how others perceive him. Mm-hmm. That it would be really hard to look at him. And I mean, the same thing I think they wrestled with with, with Data is that it's, it was, it's less about his own personal self-awareness and uh indiv- or well, again individuality is maybe the wrong word um personhood 
And it's more about the way others are going to struggle to be like, how can I see you as a person when there's another you over there? It's like, well, that's not quite yeah. another me. That's another copy of the thing that I originally, but the moment you turned him on in a situation that I'm not in, he's different than me now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they started off at the beginning saying that technically he was designed as an emergency hologram, like or emergency fill in. He's not supposed to be the full-time doctor, but because the doctor died, like he's all they're left with. But why, why equip an emergency hologram with the ability to create memories? Like, how does that necessary to being a, to being the, you know, emergency, what's it called? Emergency medical hologram, emergency. Yeah. Something like that. I'm not, I can't remember his thing. title yeah. as often as he says it, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did, which along those lines, I did love, there was the one throw in in this episode where he said, and please don't turn me off in the middle of a sentence that really annoyed yeah. me in the past or something like that. And I thought that was a really good callback. To, uh, again, that's his character. That's who he is. Uh, it is funny that it's like, why make such a cantankerous doctor? Like, why is he, why did they choose someone who is so grumpy to, to represent? You know, I, I wonder about that if they modeled him or if they created him whole cloth, you know, to, to maybe have like this cantankerous personality because it helps people relate to the grumpy old doctor sometimes. Maybe. I mean, I wonder, is he a reflection? I mean, he wouldn't be a in-universe direct reflection of Bones because Bones was definitely grumpy, especially the older he got. But yes. it, it was, because uh, I think they mentioned in that Bashir episode is that they were trying to... Um, kind of like incorporate all these great doctors into this one program. And mm-hmm. and I think, and now that might be the one argument as well, although I think wasn't there, there was, there was in uh, First Contact, they did activate the emergency hologram, the program when they were fighting the Borg. And then they tried to assimilate, right. assimilate him. So he was on the Enterprise, what was that, E, I think, at that point? Yeah. But I think we're supposed to be led to believe that in Deep Space Nine, when that was one of the reasons that he was approaching Dr. Bashir, is that they they had just initially just used the programmer, Dr. Zimmer, or no, he's not even a doctor, just uh, whatever his first name was, Zimmerman, they had just used his image to make the, um, to make the doctor. And that they wanted to instead replace it with an actual doctor. And that's why they wanted to use Bashir's image instead. And then they revealed the whole thing, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So they didn't use him. But I'm guessing the goal would be eventually to replace Zimmerman's image with a different image. So then, even though I guess it would technically be the same program, although I guess every time you reprogram it, it would be a little bit different. Um, but there should be less that look just like the Voyager's doctor some later on, you know, who knows what they ended up landing on would be, uh, you know, look like a different, uh, person. Right. Right. That makes sense. All right. Yeah. So let's dive into this episode again. We can uh, unpack uh, a little bit about the doctor as we go, even though I don't know. Yeah. Again, I don't know how much this particular episode dives into his, uh, character or development, but uh, for those of you that are unfamiliar with this particular episode, again, this is Living Witness from, I think it was season four, that 700 years in the future, they activate the Doctor via his backup because the they tell the history of their planet, that Voyager attacked their planet, and they'd recreated these things from ancient history, and the Doctor sees it all, and it's all like horribly construed, like everybody is bad and evil and they just want to kill everybody and stuff like that so then the doctor attempts to kind of set the record straight and that doesn't go over that well leading to a riot but then there's a happy ending at the end when uh, everybody eventually gets along so had, had you seen you'd seen this episode before greg i i know that i had seen it before but it'd been so long that i had forgotten what what exactly happens in it okay there are these questions in it that were like who tells history and you know yes. what what is important in history what whether it's the accurate you know 100 accurate facts mm. you know that might be painful 
or whether it is the the something that that brings us all together is that better like a, a right. comfortable lie that's going to have positive effects for everybody right and right. and i thought i thought it was really good because it it would be very simple to make an episode where where it was the the ruling class who had this um who had this this museum that made them look better right it, that would be that would be the obvious way to go in this but instead they did it where it was a an oppressed class yes who was actually wrong about their history right and actually they, they were the bad guys right and th i thought that was that it's a it's a brave choice you it know is. instead of being a it's different from the obvious choice. Right. And I know, think especially the oppressing class, the bad guys. Right. And I think especially for today though, it is like a it is a tough choice to be just like, it you is. know, the oppressors are the right ones and like that's the that's the way that y'all are, you know, it, it, it in in some ways it kind of says like, yeah, I don't know that it says you should be oppressed, but at the very least, it is always tough no. to take the side of the oppressor in some way. And uh, that, yeah, again, that's a tough one, which you wonder, yeah, especially back in the 90s where it's just like, so is this a pro-white supremacy episode? Uh, I don't, I mean, not intentionally, for sure, but definitely, yeah, to, to challenge that. Um, yeah, I did think that it was interesting because I don't know if you noticed the episode was actually written by Brian Fuller, who then would go on to, you know, kind of spearhead discovery and stuff like that. So for me, right. I was kind of thinking that, like, did he film all of the alternate reality scenes of Evil Voyager? And he's like, you know, let's make a show that's <laughs> like that, where they do want to shoot a lot of people. And we'll even make a captain. Like, Captain Lorca was kind of like Janeway, right. where he's just like, all yes, right, we need a weapon to destroy everybody. And it's <laughs> so it did even like uh, when my wife and I were watching it and she sees that Brian Fuller wrote it. And she's like, well, he does love death. And so there was a lot of death and destruction and stuff like that. It did crack me up, though, how it would it did. And I mean, like, you know, intentionally so. I think that as the viewer, we were supposed to enter into some of that where it did have a very almost like yesterday's Enterprise sort of vibe where apparently everybody mm -hmm. wears black turtlenecks. That's how we know that they're evil. And they wear black gloves. <laughs> black gloves. And so, exactly. And, <laughs> and for some reason, bad guys always slouch. So Janeway is just kind of slouching in her chair and she's like, just kill them all. Like, why are bad guys so much more <laughs> casual than Janeway? Like, actually, the like, good guys are always much more upright. And it did so crack me up, though. <laughs> but I guess that's the whole point about how wrong they got it, where they go into the torture, wherever, torture chamber or whatever, and Harry Kim is the one that's the lead torturer. I'm like, yeah. you... <laughs> that other than maybe Neelix, if you would have picked Neelix as the torturer, you couldn't have picked a more ridiculous choice than to see that and to have yeah Chakotay's uh, uh, facial tattoo, oh, his, man. his entire like half of his <laughs> face, and uh, yeah that sort of thing. That that was kind of. Uh, it's always it, interesting for me to think like, what do we get wrong about people like yes. like that? Yep. Right. You well, know, and we. Right we watch all these historical dramas or whatever, and we see these characters. How wrong are we about right. these characters? Would, would the people want, who live through it be watching these and be like, that's terribly exactly. offensive. I am not at all that way. Right. Right. And even the ones that, yeah, that we have like, uh, you know, the, well, you know, always depicting George Washington as these images that people have painted, which were definitely like exaggerated and meant to make him look as regal and as whatever as possible with his, you know, powdered white wig and all of that sort of stuff like that. And the legend of his wooden teeth and everything, but like how terrible would, I mean, apparently that's a legend that he didn't actually have wooden teeth, but he definitely had some false teeth in there and they wouldn't look like our teeth, man. Like he probably, and just like teeth going every which way coming out of his mouth and just like as a soldier did he really have like a quaffed like you know when he's leading the uh what is it onto the delaware and stuff like that did he really have this like very neat and tidy wig like i don't know like maybe it was just disheveled and he was just yeah i don't know who knows was he tall maybe they probably know that 
Uh, again, Lincoln, some of the stuff about Lincoln. Lincoln was probably not a very impressive guy, like uh, uh, some of them depict them. But then the funny one, too, is because I remember hearing this, that somewhere in the Middle Ages, there was a pope that in commissioning paintings of Jesus, he s- decreed all paintings of Jesus need to look like my son. And so that so many paintings that we have of Jesus from the mid, you know, 1200s are all this one Pope's son. And that is this like, you know, white guy with blondish, brownish hair and stuff like that. And that people for centuries are like, well, I guess that's what Jesus looked like, right? He looked like, and it's, <laughs> no, it's literally this, this guy's son that we're looking at. But, you know, instead the depiction of Jesus is a, I mean, even, you know, the Bible talks about Jesus as not an attractive man. He was like, you would look at him and you'd be like, eh, like he was, he wasn't like hideously ugly, but he was nothing remarkable. And as opposed to like, whoa, look at this guy. Like he walks into a room and everybody stops what they're doing. Like, no, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't him at all. So I thought, yeah, again, that's interesting how history can be, uh, can be changed just because based on the limited information that survives the, 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 the test of time. Yeah. We have characters that we read about like Benedict Arnold. Yep. You know, and and we have one perception of him, I think, you know, from school and mm-hmm. all that you know, of how bad this guy was and such a traitor and but even just reading about him and reading his letters and reading about what other people wrote about him contemporaneously at the same time, it's yeah. you you get a different idea of who this guy was and you see the straits that he was in and maybe he made a decision that wasn't great. Right. But still he's a a complex human character. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of just the one thing in their life that they did wrong, we reduce everything to that. And we do that so much in society, but I think especially to historical figures, we reduce them either to greatness or you know, their despicability, right. you know, from one one part of their huge life. When we were watching this show, one thing that I was thinking about was we watch the show Voyager and the characters are all heroic and good right. most of the time. Right. And there was a line that the doctor said in there um, about him being just an observer too, you know, during the um, during the events. Right. And, you know, maybe he didn't get him 100% right either. You know, I think it was when they're, he's first showing, like, his first um, holographic projection. Yeah. And um, I was thinking, what if while you're watching Voyager, what if all you're watching is, like, the historical document right. of Voyager? And maybe there's a lot more complex complexity about the characters that we don't see yeah about some bad stuff that they did or you know that this is just a reframing of it in like the historical document to look better you know what if we put ourselves in that position as kind of just a thought experiment for them and that's that's interesting yeah and i and i don't i i feel like they've touched on this in a couple of episodes i mean certainly uh like we saw with um Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, is that, you know, for the original series episode Space Seed, that tied up with a bow. Like, we sent them off, like, we did the magnanimous thing by putting them on a planet where that they can go and build their own civilization, and off uh-huh. we go, never to think about them again. And then, you come back and you see the ramifications of that, you know, decades later, and what right. has happened to that, and I mean, that's literally the last epi- the last line in that episode, like, what seeds have been planted today, and we saw, like, the seed, it was, it was ultimately the seed of bitterness and hatred, like, can we blame Captain Kirk for the planet exploding? I don't know, but at least Khan blamed him for not coming back to check on them, or not filing a report to say, like, oh, by the way, we maroon these people on this planet like make sure they're okay every now and again stuff like that so we don't but that wasn't part of the narrative that we were brought along with not that any of the facts that we were given were incorrect i think 
Uh, I mean, maybe you could say that, but I think it, almost just the idea that we weren't given all of the facts because you can't have all of the facts. You can't know what, you know, this person was doing on this planet on this particular day for every single person in every single planet. Like that's impossible to have that much information. So same thing with this, where it's, I would say that, um, yes, we do get to see, uh, I, I don't know that I would necessarily believe that we're getting a skewed view, but we are getting one view. You know, like you said, the Voyager view. So what's going on? What happened to the Kazon after, you know, the, or the, what was it? The Ocampa. We don't get to see much of the Ocampa after, from the very first episode, after Voyager moves on. Uh, and to be honest, it's not their story. It's Voyager's story. So we're right. kind of focusing on that one. But yeah, the remnants of what was left. And uh, and I think you're right. That's what this episode does kind of uh, tease out. Because the reality is, regardless of what role voyager played in their you know life of their planet they played a role and it led to 700 years of racial strife and division that eventually led to you know civil war and several civil wars or they call it the great war uh i'm Mm -hmm. sure that was not i mean one and that was kind of the point of the episode i think voyager didn't start that fire uh, it was already burning from before, and it went on for 700 more years. But, you know, they definitely played a role in that whole, um, yeah, that whole journey, I suppose. It seems like when bad stuff happens, we look for a reason why it happened. Right. And blaming an alien <laughs> who happened to be there at the same time that the war started. Sure. Like that's a, that's a, that that's an obvious answer, right. you know, blaming the other. Yep. And it, it's, if that brought people together, <laughs> is that, is that for the best? I, I'd really like to talk about that. I'd, yeah. I'd really like to talk about whether the facts matter, mm. whether it's more important to have peace than um then be 100 percent accurate about history yeah yeah and what kind of pain the truth can bring sometimes right. because my my default reaction to this is truth is always better even if it's right. painful yeah right truth is always better and i think that was the landing point of the episode too it was yeah but, but is it it does seem like sometimes that maybe a lie that mm. saves people from dying right that saves people from from uh, that brings people together yep. and and instead unites people a, a, and really is a cause for peace yeah is that better like and, and it's not you know the lie of like white supremacy that brings mm. all white people together right this is this is a lie that brings disparate people together right. and ends racial strife. Well, right, but it, it, but it didn't, right? And that was that was kind of the point of this episode: is that the lie didn't bring people together. It separated them apart. It just made one bitter, and uh, actually, it made both sides bitter. Is that they now would they have still been bitter over the truth? Uh, it sounds like it. Uh, I mean, it, it's interesting. It makes me think about. I think one of the points of the Christopher Nolan uh, Dark Knight trilogy, I guess we call that those Batman movies, is that the Mm -hmm. second one, uh, Dark Knight, it ends with basically the idea that Gotham needs to believe in something. And so that's why Batman decides to take the blame for what Two-Face did and to say, like, no, they need to believe in Harvey Dent, that Harvey Dent is, like, was uh, uh, an icon that they can strive towards. And then the second movie, or excuse me, the last movie, seems to contradict that and to say, no, the truth will always come out and people need the truth more than they need something to believe in. But then it also was like, but they also need something to believe in, like you, Batman. So basically it turned into, I thought, and that was the, the, one of my complaints about that, if you can have a complaint about these sacred movies, uh, that is that they did kind of have it, try and have it both ways. They almost like they need the truth about Two-Face so they can believe in you, even though the truth is like you're, well, I mean, I guess the truth is that you're a saint. I don't know. I don't know. 
But it is interesting, and I mean, some of that, like, again, getting into the truth and lies thing, is that we seem to have a, a desire as people, or at least as Americans, to not have nuance, especially with our heroes. We want our heroes to be 100% good, and we want our villains to be 100% bad. We don't want to hear anything good about, you know, Adolf Hitler and Stalin and Benedict Arnold. Like, you name the bad guy in history. We want them to be 100% bad, and we don't want to hear anything good about them. And then we want our heroes to be 100% good. And, I mean, that's, I think, one of been one of the interesting things over the last, I don't know, decade, 20 years, something like that, uh, has been Thomas Jefferson. Mm. Is that I feel like Thomas Jefferson had been elevated to, you know, he's the guy that wrote the Declaration of Independence. He was the third uh, president of the United States. You know, he was, you know, he was a hero. He was somebody that we can, you know, put on our money and blah, 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 blah. And then is it kind of be like, well, I mean, you know, he owned slaves. He owned people and he was, you know, not the nicest guy or whatever. And there was real, at least initially, I felt like there was really a resistance to that. About like, no, I don't want to hear anything about this. Like, no, like, Thomas Jefferson was a saint. Like, let's just leave it at that. And I guess my question is kind of like, can't we still believe in people who are not perfect? Right. You know, I mean, even like Martin Luther King Jr. I think that's one today. I don't think people like hearing bad stuff about MLK. Is it because I... Whoa, 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 whoa. See? There you go. <laughs> or, or or another one like when Michael Jordan, he's a basketball player for your information, Greg. He played basketball for the Chicago Bulls. But anyway... And, they... and basketball is the one with the hoops. There's a ball that you bounce up and down, yes. Uh, yeah. So, but they were saying that in Chicago in the 90s, you could not write anything negative about Michael Jordan because no one wanted to read it. No one wanted to publish it. Like it was, he was the hero of all of Chicago. And so even though, I mean like Michael Jordan was a man with plenty of vices. I mean, he had a gambling addiction. He had like uh, a bunch of stuff like that. But again, nobody wanted to hear those things. They wanted him to be the greatest of all time. They wanted him to be elevated into this like hero status. And and I, I don't know. I just wonder what it is about us, about why, do we struggle with the nuance? We just can't handle like, hey, you know, this guy was not Lily White and that's okay. Like he was he was a human being that had his faults and had his strengths and we can still celebrate the strengths without, um, yeah, with that's okay that he was human or she, you know, for that matter. Yeah. I enjoy history and I do a lot of reading about history and I, I – like American history a lot. I have always really liked Thomas Jefferson, his philosophies, uh, his character in history. It is disingenuous to not also reflect on the bad parts of our heroes. Right. You know, about Thomas Jefferson, slavery is a is an abject evil. Like, there's no way about that. That owning people is bad. And the, there's no way around that. And Thomas Jefferson owned people. Right. Not only did he own people, there's a, he very likely coerced one of his slaves into sex. You know, and that's, I mean, that's rape. Yeah. So it's, you have to live with that too. Right. But people are complicated. Right. And when we reduce history to just good things or just bad things, we lose a lot. Yeah. When I was growing up, my family knew uh, an older guy who had immigrated to the United States from Germany after World War II. Okay. During World War II, he he was part of the Nazi party, he fought in the German military, and he talked about he talked to us about it, about how in Germany at that time you couldn't do anything. You couldn't get a business license. He was a baker. You couldn't get a mm. business license. You couldn't um travel you couldn't um you had all these fines and everything that you would have to pay if you weren't a member of the nazi party Hmm. so 
just about everybody was a member of the Nazi party. And it would have been, you know, morally upright and, you know, wonderful if you could be that guy sure. who's like, everybody else is doing this. I'm not going right. to. But you know what? The, you know, the reason why those people are heroes is because it's like one guy who does that and everybody else doesn't. Most people are going are not heroes. Right. Right. And that's 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 OK, because that's what that's who people are. Yeah. You know, and it's great if you can emulate that and you can be that hero and stuff. But most people are not. Right. And most people I think are pretty good people. And we make mistakes and we do bad things and maybe we join the Nazi party. But right. I'll tell you, this guy was not any more racist than your typical like 80 year old white guy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is an interesting and, statement in itself. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, he was not like some uh, hate Viewing anti-Semite, right, or anything like yeah. that, and he he said that he he did not believe the 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 things that Hitler said about the Jews and that the party was saying about the Jews. He didn't believe that that had been going on. He didn't believe it then. He doesn't believe it now. Hmm. He would he just he needed to operate his bake his his bakery because his family would starve otherwise. Yeah, people are complicated, and sometimes we get. We lump a lot of people together because of, you know, one aspect about them, that they're literal Nazis. Right. But sometimes the truth is more complicated than that. Yeah. And history, we tend to compress it and we tend to simplify it. Yeah. Because we have to fit it in a, you know, a 300 page book or whatever. It's difficult to do sometimes. Yeah, and I, and I mean, I think the challenge, and we, you know, going back to what we talked about before about like uh, how many faces and how many personalities you can store in your brain before you just start compartmentalizing and, and stereotyping and just saying like, oh, this is one of these kind of people or whatever is is kind of just a way that we save space in our brains in some mm. way. And unfortunately, and like, I think that's what people want to do with, with some of this. Cause the reality is like for a lot of like history and like, does it really matter to your life and the way that you, you know, teach your class or run your bakery or you do, does it really matter to your daily life? What kind of a human being Thomas Jefferson was probably not. And so you kind of, it would be much, much easier if I could just say, Oh, I put him in the good category done. Like, that's all I need to know about Thomas Jefferson. I put, you know, Hitler or, you know, whoever in the bad category, done. That's all I need to know about this person. And I think the challenge, yeah, again, I don't know how well we do with ambiguity. To be like, well, there aren't really no. clear columns, so I can't do that as easily. Like, that's, you know, I mean, that's one of the things I love about teaching the Bible is that it's nothing but ambiguity. Is that we're supposed to walk away. Anytime you walk away with like, I know exactly what God is all about. Like, you have missed the point. Like, it's, it's, it's he is beyond knowing. Like, we can get these little glimpses and these little pieces, but it's going to come with a certain level of ambiguity, a certain level of unknowingness, and you have to be okay with that. Like, how does the Trinity work? Nobody knows. It's beyond human comprehension. And that's okay. We can have a glimpse of it without having the full picture. Uh, but I don't think our brains like, for one reason or another, our brains don't like ambiguity. We like black and white, cut and dry, heroes, demons, you know, all of that sort of thing. Right. And along those lines, one more, I mean, we don't have time. We could spend an entire another podcast talking about this one. But for me, uh, and I, I remember hearing this uh, in like conservative Christian spaces talking about now that, uh, or if, uh, abortion, especially with uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned, all that sort of stuff like that, if that's going to kind of fall to the background, what's going to come up as the new kind of like cultural battle? And a lot of them were talking about uh, parental choice, that that seems to be a big one that's kind of bubbling to the surface, whether it's, you know, CRT or 
whatever anti-woke means these days or you know transgender the 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 whatever the bill was called in florida stuff like that about what choice do i have over what my children are being taught in school and and stuff like that and that came up in this episode like there was the the one confrontation kind of early on as the one uh guy from the oppressing class said i don't like you blaming my people for all mm-hmm. of your troubles and i don't want my children learning that in school and that's right. a really tough one i think because it's kind of like i think on some level there's a truth to how much nuance a child's brain can process that's true and that so that's the reason we don't teach incredibly complex topics to, you know, second, third graders. But at the same time, if you're only if you're using that as an excuse to teach them, you know, skewed history or teach them skewed facts or things like that, or saying like it's too complex to teach people that there are more than one race, so we're just going to treat it like there's only one race. Like everybody is white. Like that's much easier for a child to comprehend. I feel like, well, that's not, that's, that's one perspective even in approaching that. So I don't know. How do you, have have you wrestled with the, like your, the, the, I don't know, maybe the, the freedom that we give the public school system to teach our children, whatever they choose, or do you feel, I don't know, how, how, how have you interacted with the parental choice argument? I feel like a lot of times I just make everybody angry with this. Wonderful. But, and this is, this, I mean, a lot of my my personal beliefs fall into this category. They just make everybody angry. Beautiful. I think that parents need to be parents. Mm. That it, it is, public schools are important, not just for what they teach but for what they do in keeping people our society together as a community public schools are 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 a public good it's important to have them i think that the things that a public school should teach are are facts of course like math and how to read and that kind of thing but also they have a place to teach uh about our our society and our culture and to teach societal norms. I think the foundational place that kids should get that information though, is from the home. You need to have both because kids are not, your kids are going to grow up to become adults and adults will and should be in society with other people. And when they're there, they are going to see other points of view. So if you don't prepare them for that, they're not going to be able to handle it. So at home, by all means, teach them what your religion believes, what your culture believes, what you personally believe about the way that the world works. Okay? I, as much as I am very on the side of liberalism and, you know, people should have the right to do what they want to do. If your faith tradition believes that marriage should be between a man and a woman, teach them that. If your religion or whatever believes that, um, you know, sex and gender are totally intertwined and cannot be changed, then teach them that. But be a parent and don't blame the school. Don't try to change the rules of the school from teaching what the greater society believes because you don't agree with that. Do that at home. Take some responsibility for your own children and don't let the school teach them, you know, be the only instrument in their lives that's teaching them about culture. They will encounter that growing up. So it's important to keep them there. But by all means, teach them what you believe at home and be responsible, a responsible parent to do that. So do you think, I think the fear of some parents is that schools will directly contradict teaching of the parent. So 
like the classic example is kind of like you know a, a, a child let's say that the the child's tradition is that the world was created in six days in like Genesis chapter one and then going to school and learning about you know evolution and the Big Bang and, and whatever which I'm assuming is not in first and second grade I'm assuming that's more like high school and stuff like that but I think the fear is or at least maybe that's how it's portrayed in the movies and in TV shows for the teacher and the professor to say no that is incorrect this is correct your views your beliefs are wrong let me teach you what is right and i think that's the fear of most parents i'm i i legitimately wonder how accurate is that okay my response to that is that that is going to happen to your kids it's somewhere in their life the things that you teach them about whether you are teaching them that like everybody should marry everybody or you know whatever they are going to encounter people who disagree with them that is the world that is that is part of living in a society with other people because people don't all agree so if you're just keeping your kids in this little bubble that is only reflective of the things that you believe and nothing else you are doing them a disservice it's okay that people don't agree with you yeah. and that is i think that is a major problem that our culture is facing today both on the left and on the right sure. nobody wants to hear that people disagree with them <laughs> well and that is dangerous right. that is or immensely that dangerous right or that it's okay that people disagree or that we can still be civil and still be on the same team so to speak uh yeah working together even though we disagree uh, and right. i think that's, so that's when, the challenge like you're saying like and i and i feel like some of the challenge of this issue is like you're saying about you know experiencing other perspectives and other cultures i'm not sure that that's true I'm not sure. I think that there are some adults that intentionally or or unintentionally maybe shield themselves from those other experiences. I don't want to see that. I don't want to interact with that. I'm not going to watch those channels. I'm not going to, uh, you know, tune into that. I'm going to watch this channel and this, you know, listen to this news and stuff like that because they don't represent. They don't talk about that sort of stuff because I don't want to hear it. And so the idea that their children will be exposed to that when they're not, or they have chosen not to be exposed to it. Um, and I, and I think then it's, then it's the question of like, again, is that the job of the school? Cause like, so for, for my children, for example, uh, so like I have the benefit of, you know, we're a, a pretty multi-racial family. So I'm, uh, mostly Scandinavian and uh, English is most of my heritage. Uh, my wife is uh, African American and Puerto Rican, so we have you know a number of different cultures represented. But we don't have, say, Native American. We have no experience into the Native American culture and stuff like that. So does that fall on the school to give my children that perspective? What is the life of a Native American? Like, what is that experience? What is that culture like? Or does that fall on me as a parent? That should be my job. And then the other part is, what if I don't do that as a parent? Then does that fall on the school for the parents that are not doing that? Like, I am not either not qualified or not interested in presenting this perspective to my child. Does then the school say, like, no, that's our job now then. We need to do that. Or... For those of you who say, like, sorry, we're just not – you. those kids that the parents are not going to do that are just not going to get that perspective. Cultural education is important. So, you know, teaching about Native Americans in school I think is a perfectly valid um, job of the school, of, of public education. That, you know, I don't – I think that kids need to learn how to read more than – they need to learn about Native Americans, but mm. you know that it's it's That's kind of a false choice, to, though, right? It it's is not. Yeah, right. you, you have to choose one or the other. You either get to read or you get to learn about Native Americans because right. those are the only two options. Well, except that 
Except that I think that sometimes schools spend too much time on things that aren't education. And huh. but that that's a that's kind of a separate conversation. Okay. It, I think that cultural studies is an important part of education and even early education because it gives you a a framework to look at the world that people do different things. Like our kids, we were talking about this you and I a couple months ago that our kids were super excited about Hanukkah. Right. And I mean, I, according to my oral family history, my, I think it was my great, great grandpa was Jewish, hmm. but like we have no Jewish tradition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that we don't, we don't celebrate any Jewish religious holidays. We have one friend and it's he's really my friend. He's not even like a family friend who is Jewish. And that's like the only connection that we have to the Jewish faith or mm. to the Jewish people. And I think it's great that they learn so much about Hanukkah. I mean, mostly that there's like eight days of presents or whatever. But they but my son came home and he was talking about the potato pancakes and um he told me the story about the menorah and all this that's great i think that's great because it gives an insight into different traditions that different people have now when he does make jewish friends in the future he has at least some like groundwork in things that they believe and it's not a big mystery it's not it doesn't make people other so much yeah there's a there's already something there and being respectful of other people's traditions, that, again, that's important to a liberal society, you know? And I'm using liberal in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Not, yeah. you know, the classic sense. But it, that's important to being in society with other people. And that's, that's good. Yeah. I, I, I think, and it is just mind-boggling that, this is a point of contention now that we should be in a society with different people. Right. But apparently it is. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I think some of it, the challenge, and this is where it gets, it gets a little sticky, kind of like in this episode where what if the school is teaching something that is incorrect? And in the tough, I mean, obviously in this episode, they didn't know all the history and that was kind mm -hmm. of the point, which I thought was resolved rather quickly, even though I was kind of like, oh, I'd really like to stay where there was the one, what was it? It was a, during a commercial break where the scientist hears this information is like, no, no, I don't want to hear this anymore. And just like turns it off. It's all lies. And then he comes back and he's like, I had time to think. Okay, I want to listen. Yeah. And it's just like, wow, wouldn't that be wonderful? If that's all it took, it took like a night to sleep on it. And then you're like, okay, I'll listen to your, to, to you know, the facts and stuff like that. Um, I was really curious during that commercial break, how much time had passed. Right. Who knows? Who I, knows? You I like to believe not... like a couple years uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. But, uh, <laughs> and that would somewhat, well, would that defeat the point? I don't know. Because this guy, and they did point out that this is like his obsession. He's like really like. Yeah. This, this is what got him. And I, I thought that was really cool. There was that one little scene where he talked about, like, being so fascinated by Voyager and not really caring if they were the good guys or the bad guys. He was just fascinated by their existence, uh, and that's as a child and, and stuff like that. But it was – and, I mean, that's the other one, too. What is it? There was right at the, towards the end, which, again, was rather resolved rather quickly because I think they ran out of time, but where the Doctor has kind of his, like – um, you know, I've been so focused on Voyager's good name that I haven't cared about, like, what's going to happen to this society. Kind of going back to your whole, like, is the truth or a lie more beneficial? And he even says, like, the facts be damned. Like, let's just let's just work for peace. And, uh, you know, the, the scientist is, uh, no, we need to, the, the truth actually needs to come out. Um, but I have a hunch that there are some people that that's somewhat of their objection is that they, you know, hear... Um, certain teachings in school that they believe to be wrong or incorrect or whatever. I think some of it is the moral part, and that's the challenge where saying, you know, here's a math problem that talks about, you know, someone's mom and their other mom or something like that. They use a, a, a term or a, a something just in a math problem to normalize it, and they believe that is morally wrong. That's different than factually wrong. 
But I think, like we said, like with history, it's really tough to know what is correct and what is not correct. At least for me, I think I'll be comfortable enough as a parent to offer correction without saying, like, sorry, your teacher is incorrect about this. Yeah, but that's that's being a parent, you know? Right. It's being, it, you are You are the most important teacher in your parents' life, and you should be. And if if that role is going to the teacher because you are not you are not fulfilling that role, that's a problem. But that's a problem with you. Yeah, you I know? mean, I would say too, like there is a certain level. I mean, the teacher's voice does carry weight. I mean, they are with like the reality is on you know Monday through Friday, uh, like my son gets to see his teacher for more hours than he gets to see me. So he's with this teacher a lot, and as an authority figure, they do carry a certain amount of weight. So the things that they say are important. Um, I, I, you know, obviously, I don't think that negates your job as a, like, well, the teacher said it, I can't disagree with it. Like, I don't think that's true. But I do think it's like, it's not... Uh, it's it's not insignificant, or it is significant. There's my not double negative. Uh, it is significant the role that the teacher does play in a child's life and development, which I do, and I mean, don't get me wrong, even though I'm not the biggest fan of uh, um, public school in all settings, I do think teachers take that job seriously. And that they, they, they know what they're doing is important. And to say like, oh, I'm just going to tell them that, you know, uh, whatever. I'm going to just make up something today and just tell them a bunch of fake information just to mess with them. Like, I don't think teachers, I think they do take their job seriously. Yes. People are complicated is a great way to land. I, I, and, I, and I would say like what has struck me as we're talking, it feels like we should try as people to celebrate maybe to celebrate more accomplishments or think celebrate things that sounds wrong but like like celebrating people's accomplishments rather than the people themselves not that, not that we don't celebrate the people and you know somebody does a good job on their test and he's like hey good job you did great but once it turns into you are now great as a person i feel like that's again that's where the challenge comes in is to say that like was Thomas Jefferson writing of the Declaration of Independence a good thing? Sure, it was. Does that therefore make him a great person who's a saint? Like, well, settle down. Like, like again, we can still celebrate the act, maybe. Um, but then the person is, is more complicated than that, I guess. Mm, still a Tommy J fan. Tommy J, okay. We can talk more about U.S. history on a different podcast, my friend. Because for today, I think we need to wrap it up here. Um, we have uh, we've talked about the doctor a little bit, uh, talked about uh, teaching and things like that a lot. I hope so. Join us uh, next episode, my friends, as we're going to dive into our next favorite character, which in this case we'll be talking about Lieutenant Uhura, or probably Cadet or Ensign Uhura. We'll probably pick probably. an episode from Strange New Worlds, but we'll see. I have no guarantees at this point, but y'all know Uhura. Hopefully y'all love Uhura. We're going to talk about Uhura in our next episode. But for this episode, my friends, we will land it, land the boat, land the ship, land the plane by saying, Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. <laughs>